Today on the Locked On Blues podcast, I'm continuing my string of crossover episodes. Last time it was with Locked On Wild. This time I got an episode for you guys with Locked On Stars. It was a lot of fun. We talked about the Blues offseason, the Stars offseason, that wonderful double overtime game from the Blues Cup run way back when, you know, fond memories there, Uh, and more. It was a lot of fun recording with him. Uh, It's a really good episode. I hope you guys enjoy. Without further ado, let's just jump into it. Hope you guys have a good time. Make sure to subscribe to the YouTube channel. We're almost at 500. Enjoy. Your Locked On Blues, your daily podcast on the St. Louis Blues. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome in, everybody, to this Central Division Season Preview Crossover. This is Dane Lewis, host of Locked On Stars, joined now by Josh Hyman, host of Locked On St. Louis Blues. And Josh, hockey season is just around the corner. We're recording this on a Monday afternoon, I believe a week from today. Uh, both of our teams take each other on in a preseason match in Dallas. How excited are you to have hockey back in our lives? I mean, just around the corner. God, I, I can't wait. I feel like I feel like it's been so long. Uh, it's been such a such a, a busy off season in terms of just like myself, like moving back home, moving out of college. Uh, doing this show solo if you guys aren't familiar I used to have a co-host now I don't so it's been like I feel like the show is in a completely different place and hockey's in a completely different place like finally the some stuff started to happen in the offseason I'm so excited I love hockey I can't wait for it to be back yeah it, it's due to certainly be an exciting season especially in the central division uh, and I want to take a minute and pick your brain on some questions regarding the St. Louis Blues I know they they had a fairly busy offseason not as crazy as some teams but they definitely weren't inactive uh, and some of the right. biggest moves coming within the organization, re-signing two of the young players long-term in Robert Thomas and Jordan Cairo. What are your overall thoughts on the deals? Are you satisfied with the amount that they're getting paid in the term? Uh, do you think that that matches up with you know what they've shown they can be uh, throughout their you know young careers as NHL players? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I'll try not to repeat myself too too much for for my listeners because I've been talking about this for over a week now. But I mean. In today's NHL and pretty much any time in the NHL, you got to pay your young players. Um, you got to give them these big hefty extensions. Yeah, bridge deals are a thing, but Robert Thomas and Jordan Cairo are guys that are proven. You know, I don't think either of them. There's any shred of a doubt. Oh, maybe they. Maybe it was just a flash in the pan. I think it's it's pretty much confirmed that they are who they are. Um, and eight million dollars isn't that much money in today's NHL. You see plenty of contracts up in the double digits that teams are happy with. Um, and, you know, Robert Thomas and Jordan Cairo have both been been assigned by the front office as like the, the faces of the future of the team. And there are no two guys, you know, obviously in the organization that I'd rather build around moving forward. I think they both bring unique skill sets that complement each other very well. Robert Thomas being a very dynamic playmaker, very steady Eddie, you know, you know what you're going to get out of him night in, night out. And then Jordan Cairo is kind of more of that spark plug, you know, some nights he could go for a hat trick, four points, something like that uses his speed. I mean, he won the fastest skater competition. So he's more of like a, a big play, big game player. Like he could put up a ton of points in a game, but maybe go quiet in another one, but both of them really play off each other really well in terms of their skill sets and their abilities. And the sky's the limit for each one of them. I'm so 
thrilled to watch them play for the Blues over the next nine years, I think, because the extension doesn't kick in until the season after next. So it's going to be a fun decade in St. Louis. Yeah, I believe that's right. Looking at the the cap friendly page, I think they're both on the last year of their previous yeah. deal. The new deal will kick in next season, uh, and you know certainly you know exciting to know that Jordan is staying with the team with his brother Christian getting drafted by the Stars earlier this summer, yes. uh, playing the defenseman position. But maybe a few years down the road, we can uh, have some Stars and Blues matchups featuring two brothers going at it. I know that there's a plethora of brothers already in the NHL, but you know adding two really talented players to that with the stars and blues would certainly make those central division matchups more interesting. Uh, and moving on to another part of the roster, one of the maybe bigger departures of the offseason across the league, certainly not the biggest, but certainly one worth mentioning David Perron now in Detroit as a member of the red wings. How big of a loss is that to this St. Louis, St. Louis blues organization? Because I say all the time, you know, you can never have too much of a of solid veteran presence. He's in his mid thirties. He's been around this league for a while, but at the same time, it's not just a, you know, a veteran presence. He also was still producing at a high, high level. Uh, you know, this past looks to be doing so for the Red Wings this season. So how big of a loss is David Perron for this team? Yeah, it's big. In both the ways that you, you mentioned, I mean, not only consistent producers for the blues, uh, he might've been their best offensive player in the play in game out. Um, he works really, really hard for this team and a little fun fact, but a painful fact about him is he left the blues and came back two separate times. Um, first time was, uh, he, he was drafted with St. Louis, obviously, uh, left to go to another team and then re-signed with St. Louis. And then that very next season, they left him exposed in the expansion draft for Vegas and he got taken there. He played there for a season or two and then came back again. So he's clearly a guy that had a lot of love for the city of St. Louis and, you know, beyond just his offensive production, it really hit me right in the heart. Like those quotes of I could, I used to be able to see him tiring in St. Louis, but now I don't, I don't know if that could ever happen. Stuff like that, you know, and he had a lot of love for the city and I feel like he feels like he was done dirty a little bit. And I've alluded to this in the past, but he's got a lot of friends on the team. Um, you know, a lot of guys that were probably pulling for him to come back and Look, if I'm in that locker room and David Perron's my good friend and he's been around for a while and you know how loyal he is to the team and you watch the front office not even really give him a fair contract, it's going to rub me the long, real wrong way. So I'm almost more worried about the implications in the locker room and stuff like that versus the, the offensive production because the Blues are so, so deep at offense. And that's probably part of the reason why they let him go. But it just it's just really tough. You know, I feel like he was the closest the closest uh, thing to a captain on that roster that wasn't Ryan O'Reilly um, and having him gone, I, it's going to be a big hole to fill, not only in the lineup, but definitely in the locker room. The guys love them. Uh, I really hope that, you know, it doesn't, doesn't cause too much of a rift. It is a business, but it's, it's really sad to see him go just as a fan's perspective. He's been so loyal to St. Louis. And I think he's going to be a great fit in Detroit for that young team. Great veteran presence, uh, great head on his shoulders. He's really going to inspire a lot of those guys to play, what I think is the right way of hockey, the way that he plays it. Certainly always hard to lose a guy like that. And you mentioned Ryan O'Reilly, him as well as Vlad Tarasenko, both coming up on the last year of their current contracts. How do you see things playing out with them this season? Do you think that maybe they sign some sort of extension and they're going to stay in St. Louis long-term or, or do you maybe see them not being on the team next season? How do how do you see that playing out? Cause from what I've seen, it seems like both guys want to come back from what I could find, but obviously you're going to know uh, a lot more than I will about that. Yeah. 
Yeah, so I mean, Tarasenko's been in, in rumors and drama for a while now. He had that trade request last offseason that we don't really know how much weight there was to it. Was it an overblown story? Was it real? Does he still want to be traded? It's kind of up in the air. We don't have a whole lot to go off of. We have like one athletic article and then a couple Pierre Lebrun tweets that allude to it. But we really don't know with Vladimir Tarasenko. With O'Reilly, I'm assuming they want to bring him back. He is the captain. But the other side of that is after the Robert Thomas and Jordan Cairo extension, um, the Blues are right up against the cap. Not right up against it, but I believe for next season, they have only 13 guys locked down on their main roster and close to $70 million in cap hit. So not a lot of money to sign close to 10 guys to an NHL roster. So I've said this before. I think the St. Louis Blues are going to be a very different looking team next season compared to this season will ryan o'reilly and vladimir tarasenko be a part of that new look team i really hope so but the blues have shown in the past with their last two captains that they're not afraid to let someone walk even if they are wearing the c on their sweater so as much as i love ryan o'reilly and think that he's the best thing to happen to the st louis blues since i've been a fan i really can't say for sure that they're gonna bring him back i'd like to think that he is more likely than Tarasenko to come back just because of the rumors and because of Tarasenko's injury history and all that stuff. But I really don't know. And that's going to be probably the biggest storyline as this season draws to a close is what the heck are the Blues going to look like next year? And will both of those guys you mentioned be a part of it? Yeah, and I even remember talking earlier this summer, kind of looking at every Central Division team and thinking that this Blues team could look incredibly different and kind of have this changing of the guard almost with guys like Thomas and Kairou kind of becoming the guys in St. Louis and guys like O'Reilly and Tarasenko maybe playing a smaller role or maybe being off the team altogether. And the, the last question I want to run by you before we switch sides here and talk a little bit about the stars, Jordan Bennington going into this season, what are mm-hmm. the expectations for him and what are kind of your thoughts and maybe kind of the, the fan base's thoughts on him going into this season? Cause he's, you know, starting to, to climb up there in age just a little bit has a little bit of wear and tear on his body, been you know a pretty solid goalie still, only 29 years old, so not super old, but Stars fans know, although you know, it, really a goalie's career can just kind of start to hit a decline or come to a close altogether at any given time, especially you know, with players like Ben Bishop. So what are the expectations for Bennington going into this year? Yeah, I mean, this is this is the biggest test Jordan Bennington has ever faced in terms of being a starting caliber goaltender. Obviously, you say, what the heck are you talking about? He won a Stanley Cup, but there were no expectations on him then. The Blues were in last place. They called up some goalie that they were about to send down to the ECHL, and he puts on a Cinderella run and breaks you know, the rookie record for wins in a playoff season. Like That was just beyond anyone's expectation for Jordan Bennington. Blues fans didn't even know who Jordan Bennington was heading into that season. And then the season after that, COVID shortened season, he doesn't play a full load, uh, full workload. And then the season after that, you know, he's got Billy Huso as his backup, um, you know, stepping in when Bennington struggles. He's always kind of had uh, a fortunate ability to not have to play a full season's worth of workload. You know, he he played spectacular in that cup run. Um, Blues wouldn't have won a cup without him. And last season, you know, he was really, really good in the playoffs as well. But the thing is, like I said, he hasn't really played a full 50, 55 game started workload and St. Louis let Billy Huso go this off season. He also went to Detroit. Um, so they have Thomas Grice as their backup. Where did Billy Huso go to Detroit or did Thomas Grice come from Detroit? I don't remember. It might've been both. It might've been a swap, um, not a trade, but regardless. Um, anyways, so they don't have a one B like they did in the past. Um, you know, Thomas Grice is a backup goalie through and through. If you need to lean on him to play, 
40 games like he did with Billy Huso last year. It's going to be a, it's going to be a rough regular season. Um, and the safety net is gone for Jordan Bennington. It's a big test. I think he's capable of it. He looked great in the playoffs before he got hurt. I think he's going to come in with a chip on his shoulder. He's going to come in wanting vengeance, not just against the Colorado avalanche, but against the league. You know, he knows that people are doubting him. He knows that people are calling him a fraud. And from his quotes in that playoff run, we know he, he's got a bit of an ego and he likes to step up the bat for himself. And, I think he has a lot to prove this season. He knows that, and I'm expecting a big season out of him. Yeah, it really seems like, obviously, the Blues have high expectations for their team this year after you know fighting pretty well against the Avalanche in that playoff series in round two, looking to follow that up, if not try to go deeper. And Jordan Bennington certainly going to be a big part of that expectation as well as you know a lot of the other guys we talked about. But we'll flip the script here in just a second and talk a little bit about the Dallas Stars. But before we do that, Got to take a moment and say thank you to one of the sponsors of today's episode. That is betonline.net. Betonline.net is your number one source for all your pro and college football betting needs and sports info this season. You can find all the latest football league developments, game matchups, and news and podcasts. Betonline is also your continued source for all your sports wagering information, including live betting, esports, and scores. The fastest and easiest way to check in on all of your favorite sports and events, including MLB, MMA, boxing, and golf. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends and action happening around the sports world. BetOnline.net is where the game starts. All right, we are moving on, on to today's Central Division crossover episode between Locked on Stars and Locked on Blues. Dane Lewis, Josh Hyman talking about both teams. Thank you for making both of our shows your first listen of the day. And Josh, it's your turn to uh, be the, the interviewer. Um, and I'm here to answer any Dallas Stars related questions that you might have um, to infer, inform the St. Louis Blues fans out there um, a little bit more on this team. Okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna take a bit of a curveball with the first question. I might bring off a painful memory, but I got to get the other perspective on this. So, 2019, Blues Stars in the playoffs, Game Seven, double overtime. That is probably my favorite hockey memory ever. Even though the Blues won the Cup that year, that game was just insane. It was so much fun. I don't even remember it because I was so hyped up in the moment. What was that game like for you? Did you have just as much fun as I did up until the end? Oh, absolutely. I, I mean, if it goes the other way, it's probably up there. The way I felt when the Stars beat the Avalanche next year in the second round in Game 7 with the, the Yoel Kiviranta hat trick, it, it probably, you know, I feel like that's one of my favorite hockey memories is that win right there. But it's probably the opposite end with that 2019 game. I just remember, you know, being in the, the house I was living in. I was still in college, um, and almost everyone in the house is watching the game with me. Most of them are, you know, knew more about the Stars, were bigger Stars fans than me, so we're all you know, just glued into this TV and thinking that Ben, like that this game's just never going to end because both goalies were just playing out of their minds that whole series. And then, you know, the, the blues eventually do end it. And Ben Bishop, despite his best efforts falls a little bit short. So, you know, it's a, a memory that I feel like has, it just feels like forever ago, even though 2019, not too far away, but just given how much has happened, not just in the NHL, but just in general over the past handful of years, feels like a distant memory, but that, that game and that series, one of the the better you know hockey viewing experiences I had. I mean, that whole playoffs was really entertaining. I think that was the year that Columbus beat Tampa Bay. I think they swept them in round one. So mm. a really good playoff series. Unfortunate that yes. it ended for the Stars that way because I, I feel like, I mean, whichever team, obviously the Blues did go on to win, but I feel like the Stars could have legitimately you know, had a chance to to compete for the Stanley Cup as well um, if they're on the you know the opposite end of that result. 
Yeah, I, I just remember thinking that whole time the Blues were peppering Ben Bishop, and it really felt like one of those games where Blues had all the pressure, and it was just going to be one odd man rush the other way. Um, I mean, yeah, that was incredible. I'm glad to get that other perspective. I think my <laughs> listeners will appreciate that as well because that's a very fond memory. But um, moving forward into uh, modern Dallas Stars talk. So when you think of the Dallas Stars, especially when the Blues, Blues fans think of Dallas Stars, you think of two guys. You think of Jamie Benn, who is very, very, very disliked amongst Blues fans for a multitude of reasons. And you think Tyler Sagan. And from an outsider's perspective over the last year or so, it seems like those two guys are kind of underperforming. Uh, is that accurate? And do you think that what I think, they either one of them or both of them needs to step back up to their former glory for the Stars to have a spot to contend in a, in a tough Central Division this year? Yes to, to both of those questions. Both of them, especially considering their contracts, are underperforming. Both of them um, take up about 25% of the Stars' cap space. Um, and, we, and both of them are getting paid. We have Jamie Benn until 2024, 2025. Sagan's contract doesn't expire until 2027. Um, and both those guys, like you said, have really just been on a decline the past few years. Sagan, I feel like, has a little bit of, or at least for for a short time, had some grace with some injuries and some surgeries um, from you know playing in the bubble. He was basically just playing with his upper body um, near the end of that Stanley Cup run in 2020. But you know he finally was able to come back fully healthy last season and played the majority of games as did Jamie Benn, but both of them just really struggled to find any sort of consistency on offense. And, you know, from everyone from the Stars fans to even the front office have been very open about how they feel about their performance and really, you know, hoping that this new coaching staff, Peter DeBoer, coming in maybe a little bit more offensive-minded than the former coach Rick Bonus, that we can maybe see an uptick in performance. But, I mean, it's really just going to take a lot for stars fans to finally be satisfied with their production just because they are getting paid massive amounts of money i mean sagan's making 9.85 million this season jamie ben's making 9.5 million so you know if they're in that 40 to 50 point range that's just really not going to cut it uh, they really need to be up there with the likes of joe pavelski jason robertson rope hints that you know they were scoring near or at or above 80 points last season that i feel like that needs to be the floor if you're going to get paid that much money but both those guys now on the wrong side of 30. So we'll, we're just going to have to see what happens. I know that's been a hot topic this offseason is needing to see a resurgence from those guys. If we can get a resurgence from at least one, uh, I feel like that increases the Stars' chances of, one, making it back to the postseason, and two, hopefully making it farther than round one. Yeah, and you mentioned Jason Robertson. That kind of brings up my next question. So he is someone that really just came out of nowhere for me, like as an outside observer. It feels like every time the stars played the blues. He had like two points at least. Was he someone that was on your radar? Like as a, as a prospect or did he take you just uh, by his surprise, just as much as he did uh, me? I, I know that myself and many others knew who he was kind of coming into the, that shortened condensed 2021 season. But I just think it was really a surprise, like how productive he was from, from the get go. Um, I mean, I mean, he's only 23 years old now. I mean, still has most of his career ahead of him. I think that's what's shocking is that we knew he was good and we knew there was potential. But to be, you know, only the fourth 40 goal scorer in Dallas Stars history behind Mike Badano, Tyler Sagan, and Jamie Benn. I mean, that that's not just your your average like, oh, this kid's pretty good. This kid can play. I mean, this is like franchise player type talent. Uh, and so I, I think that's what was really shocking for him to display that talent at such a young age. I feel like, you know, if he does okay for his first two or three seasons, and then in years four or five as a 40-goal scorer, it's maybe a little bit less shocking, but to score, to be a Calder Trophy finalist and then score 
40 goals in the sophomore campaign, I feel like you just don't see super often, especially on a, a Stars team that has struggled to score goals over the past few seasons. So not necessarily surprising that he was good, but I don't know how many people expected him to be this good this quick. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, like I said, it really felt like he was everywhere when they played the Blues, not just like, oh, yeah, he's a good player, like like on the levels of playing Minnesota with Kirill Kaprizov or you know, not not saying he's Connor McDavid, but like when you play the Oilers, you notice Connor McDavid every single time he's on the ice. And I'm like, Robertson, who who the heck is this kid? Like I knew he was a Calder finalist, but even like you said, there's there's a difference between a Calder finalist and what I would argue is the best the best player on the ice a lot of times when he was out there. And that was it was fun to watch. Yeah, yeah. He is just unreal. The way he moves, he's not the fastest player, but the way he positions himself for, for shots and just how effortless he makes it seem is really something special. Yeah, absolutely. Agreed. Let's see, more stars questions. Um, well, okay. I guess this will kind of tie into our um divisional preview that we're doing in the third segment. But for sure. In my mind, I think the top three in the central is kind of locked in with uh St. Louis, Colorado, and Minnesota. Um, are you do you disagree or do you think it's gonna be a matter of the stars are gonna be fighting for a wild card spot and it's gonna rely on, like I said, like Jamie Jamie Ben and Tyler Sagan to really get them there? I, I certainly agree with Colorado. I think St. Louis is somewhere in that top three as well. Minnesota, and I've, I've talked about this at length and even with Seth of, of Locked on Wild, that we both can see a world where maybe they take a step back. Because if you look at the Wild, I mean, they certainly still have some great pieces. Kirill Kaprizov, as you mentioned, one of the better forwards in this league. But they lose Kevin Fiala. The goalie situation is interesting, to say the least, with the aging mm-hmm. Marc-Andre Fleury and a very unproven Philip Gustafson. Uh, so there's pieces for the Wild to have a good year, but I could also see them maybe taking a step back and maybe the Wild finish somewhere in the fourth spot. And then you have Dallas and Nashville competing for a three seed. I, I think if the Stars, you know, if everything goes well and, you know, they stay healthy, Tyler Sagan and Jamie Benn, or at least one of them have a good season. And, you know, that top line of hence Pavelski Robertson is able to stay consistent. Miro Haskinen kind of steps into a new role. With, uh, with John Klingberg now gone, I think the Stars can realistically compete for a top three spot. I'm not saying they're a lock for, for a top three spot, but I think there's certainly a world where they're competing for one and maybe a team like Minnesota takes a step back. And Nashville is also just such a weird team where they did make some good moves this offseason, but you almost want to say, have we seen you know the peak of, of the Nashville Predators? Is Nino Niederreiter really going to take the team you know that, you know, that much higher? I mean, he's a good player, right. but... I, I just don't know. And I think that's what makes this division so interesting is I think they have the most team. Well, I can't say that, at least in the West, the most teams that are competitive within a division. I know those Eastern Conference divisions are an absolute gauntlet, but I, I think we could very well see the same eight teams in the Western Conference make the postseason again, maybe with different seating. But I, I think, you know, Colorado, St. Louis, probably safe bets for, you know, top three spot. And that third spot, I think, could be up for grabs with the Wild, Predators, and Stars all competing for it. Yeah, I think like we talked about earlier, if Sagan or Ben kind of stepped up and the Wild take a step back, I could definitely see that. Um, it's gonna be it's gonna be a rocky rocky season in terms of that. I feel like the Central's always been a uh, a Thunderdome in terms of battling for spots, and who knows? You know, maybe Colorado has a little bit of that Stanley Cup hangover. I I doubt it because they're just so darn good, but could be spicy. Yeah, they're Colorado is just unreal, and even. I mean, you look at the bottom feeder teams in this league. I mean, you talk about or in the division. I mean, Winnipeg. I wouldn't say quite bottom feeder, but I don't. I just don't think they're going to be able to keep pace with the other teams in the division. But even Chicago and Arizona, they're going to have tons of young players that are fighting for jobs, whether it's with their current team, you know, the the Coyotes. 
he saved the Stars a lot of trouble last season, uh, even in the games that they won. I mean, it was never an easy out with them. So it, it's one of those divisions where even the worst of the teams can still, you know, shock people on any given night. I mean, the Coyotes also beat the, I think they were down 4-1 or 5-1 in the last game of the season, came back and beat the Predators, and that's actually what slid the Stars into that top wildcard spot, which they still lost in round one like Nashville. But <laughs> I feel like Dallas probably would have also gotten swept by the Avalanche. Instead, they get to go seven games with the Calgary Flames, and Jake Ottinger gets to show the world what he's made of. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's it's like I said, it's going to be a fun season. Like you said earlier, the eight, eight, same eight teams in the playoffs. I didn't think about it like that, but I – think there's a decent chance here right just because i don't want to say the west is top heavy but i feel like there's a big gap between the bottom feeders um and like the top of the top of the line talent but i don't think there are going to be any easy wins in the central this year i mean i think arizona is going to have a lot to prove they're young they're probably a little ticked off about playing in a in a college hockey arena um and chicago as much as i think they're just a travesty in it disappointment to the league in terms of the way that they're very obviously tanking they've still like you said got a lot of young guys that want to play want to fight hard and plus they hate the blues so it's gonna be it's gonna be a a fun season in the sense that i don't think there's gonna be any nights off no easy wins but is there really ever easy wins in the nhl right yeah exactly it's last year it was just a grind for the stars from game one all i mean we were fighting for a playoff spot all until like game 80 of the season and then even adam you're fighting for a higher seating so you don't have to play Colorado in round one so I I definitely agree I think this is going to be equally as chaotic of a season in the central as we saw last season Uh, and I'm curious to see if anyone can run for that top spot in the central and try to take down Colorado you know maybe maybe they I mean I'd never want to wish injuries on anyone but maybe they don't stay healthy or maybe the goalie situation isn't as solid as people think it might be or we see a regression from some of their stars so you you just never know with, with, with the sport like hockey I mean you're Goalie play fluctuates differently. Sometimes you see guys just take the, like even Nazem Kadri, who's not with the Colorado Avalanche anymore. You can have guys like that that are serviceable, you know, middle six type players, but then they just burst onto the scene as a, you know, a potentially, you know, top three starter night in and night out. So I'm really excited to see how this division shapes out and just the season in general. I, like you said at the top of the show, love hockey and, and just ready to have it back consistently in our lives. Yeah. Yeah, no kidding, especially after the the painful end to I mean I guess both both of our seasons ended pretty painfully, you know, the uh, I don't want to say the Blues could have beat the Avalanche. I've said this before, but like it really felt like they could have when Jordan Bennington was healthy. It felt like they were that that scrappy underdog team that nobody was expecting to beat the big bad Avalanche and you look at it, they they had won two games. Yeah, they were get they had been outplayed in pretty much every game of that series, but Jordan Bennington sort of had that magic where you got a goalie that's good enough to seal some games for you and you can beat a better team in a seven game series. So I'm, I'm hoping both of us get some redemption this year. As long as I would Tyler Sagan improves, Jamie Ben can, can stay can stay bad because <laughs> it's really, we, we enjoy laughing at him for his struggles over in, in St. Louis, but if Tyler I, Sagan like, improves and the stars do well, I'll accept it. I, I feel like that's, that's most other fan bases. The more and more I talk to other hockey fans are like, yeah, we don't like Jamie Ben either, but that's just the reputation you get when you have Jamie Ben's personality, which is just kind of a, especially now it just seems like he's ready to drop the gloves at any moment led the the stars and penalty minutes by a mile so we'll we'll see what happens maybe we'll get a you know i, I want to say part two as if they haven't met in the playoffs before but we'll get another stars blues first maybe second third round series in the playoffs oh, i think that, that could be really entertaining uh but we'll have to see what happens if it's anything like the last one i i don't know if my body can handle it that was <laughs> like i said i don't even remember that game seven like obviously i remember what happened but I was just so in the moment locked in. Like, I don't, I don't 
remember like the game other than oh my god it's finally over we won like it was, yeah, it was I, puck drop <laughs> overtime starts and then something in between and then i watched patty maroon put in the game winner i'm like oh cool it's over thank god yeah I, yeah it, honestly i'm in the same way i couldn't tell you like what else happened between puck drop and, and that game winner just because it just felt like a a dream so we'll, we'll I, see I what happens I, I don't think i breathed for for the full <laughs> second overtime yeah in, in all reality maybe i don't need another seven game i mean basically this series of calgary was the same thing i mean it's just back and forth and then johnny goudreau slides in a, a goal that very easily could have gone in for the stars if you look at the the yep. margin there but josh thanks for for crossing over and if our teams get oh, together this season we'll have to uh to maybe do this again and check yeah, up absolutely. on where our teams stand yeah absolutely for sure it's been a pleasure